Welcome, Radiant Church, and thanks for allowing us to go to Plan B today. I'm in my basement staying warm and safe. I hope you're doing the same. Thanks for tuning in today. I look forward to diving into this time of teaching. You know, years ago, I wrestled with a question, and it was a simple question. Just because somebody attends church, does that mean they're growing spiritually? Is it possible to attend church merely as a spectator? And for me, the answer was pretty obvious. Yes, it is possible that while attending a Bible-believing church is super important, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're growing. There is more to spiritual growth than just attending church. And so I want us to dive into this important conversation today. And at times today, might seem, it might seem direct or even difficult or hard. But if we're truly grow spiritually, I believe we're going to have to be challenged. We have to be held accountable, and we got to stop playing in the shallow end. And so we're going to dump it. We're going to dive into some of those important topics, and we're going to explore some things that challenge us to grow in this new year because change requires challenge. So hang with me as we dive in today and ask this important question. Are you growing spiritually? Now, Radiant Church, there's three primary drivers, and you've heard these before, but we keep wanting to reinforce them during the REACH campaign. That first one is that we want to introduce people to Jesus. More and more people need to know Jesus, and I believe that Jesus is the hope for the world. We want to teach them the way of Christ. See, it's not enough to just get someone to raise their hand and say, yeah, I believe. What does it look like to take them on a journey of becoming more and more like Jesus Christ? And then step three is we want to release these disciples back into the community. Why? So that they can repeat this process. They can go in the community. They can introduce people to Jesus. They can help teach them the way of Christ. And then they too can release disciples. It is disciples making disciples making disciples. That's how the early church grew. That's how Radiant needs to grow as well. And a Radiant Church is a verse that is a guiding light to us. It's Colossians 1.28. It says this, He, and that is Jesus, Jesus is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. Why? This is so important. Don't miss this. So that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. And so what's the goal? At Radiant Church, we want to present people mature in Christ. Why? so that they are ready for their king when he returns. But there's an important question we need to ask and every one of us needs to wrestle with. Take a moment real quick to think as I ask this question, and here it is. Do you want to grow? I mean, really? Or are you okay with your status quo? Do you want to grow spiritually? Now, this idea that there, there might be some in churches that don't want to grow was not a new idea. It's, it's not unique to our times. It is a 2,000-year-old problem. And we're going to be looking at a lot of Bible verses today, so it'd be great if you had a Bible handy. But I'm going to be going so fast, you might not be able to keep up with me. Um, and so you can get the notes later to look at them. But like I said, I want to make sure we understand this idea of spiritual growth. What did the early writers, the apostles believe about spiritual growth. And I think this is so important, and I want to use the Bible as our guide. So the first verse we're going to look at today, and these are three key verses that are going to drive us. 
is 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. This is the Apostle Paul, and he says, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. So here he calls them infants and that, you know, like most of us know, infants drink milk, but at some time you're supposed to move from milk to solid food. But he's telling him, no, you're still infants. You're still on milk. First Peter chapter two, the apostle Peter says this, he says, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it, you may grow up. So you can see from the Apostle Peter, the expectation is there. You are supposed to grow up. Now, while there is a time that we are to be on milk, just like a baby, there is a time when we need to receive milk. Later, we are supposed to move on. We are supposed to grow up. In the early church fathers, the apostles believed that we were not to remain babies. We were to grow up. The author of Hebrews had this to say in chapter 5, verse 11. He says, we have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. And anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish between good and evil. So once again, we see there's this expectation by the early church leaders that you would grow up in your faith. And that expectation is still true today. It is not okay to remain an infant in our faith. It is not okay to be a spectator. It is not okay to just sit off in the sidelines. Church is a team sport. But notice some of the key points from this passage in Hebrews and some signs that a person is still a spiritual infant. Notice he said that people no longer try to understand, which means they just become apathetic. Or others still don't know basic truths, which unfortunately means they're ignorant. He told him, you do not have a proper standard. He calls it righteousness, and righteousness is all about a standard. How do I measure up against that? standard. And he's telling them, you don't even have the right standard because you're worldly. And then he tells them, and you're not able as a result to distinguish good from evil, which means you're blind. So then, what does maturity look like? Well, we return to the Apostle Paul and we go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 14, it says, then we will no longer be infants. See, the theme continues tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love. What does he say here? We will grow. We will grow to become, that's such a key word there, become in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. And so you can see from the graphic there, what are we supposed to become? We're supposed to become like Christ. 
That's the standard. But I need to ask you, what's your standard? How do you measure righteousness in your life? Because if it's anything other than the Bible, we might have a problem when it comes to Christian spiritual growth. Because if Christ is the standard, I got to ask you, where do you go to learn about Christ? And please don't tell me Wikipedia, because that ain't it. If you want to learn about Jesus, you go to the Bible, which means, and this is my first important point for the day. If you want to grow spiritually, there are four key things I want us to focus in on. The first one is this. To grow spiritually this year, the Bible has to be your standard. Why? Well, Paul told us in that verse, immature Christians, they're blown back and forth, tossed by every wind of teaching. If you've ever seen the, the movie Forrest Gump from a long time ago, you know it starts and it ends with this leaf that just is kind of blowing in the wind wherever it goes. And, and that's the picture Jesus is giving us of immature Christians. They're just kind of blown away or blown around by every new teaching, the next cool thing, the fads, whatever it may be. They are not grounded in truth. They do not have the Bible as their standard. It's the sort of folks that, you know, you watch a YouTube video and suddenly you're questioning your faith, or there's a TV preacher that tells you you can be healthy, you can be wealthy, you can live your best life now. Just send me some money. Or a new scholar finds some new truth in Scripture that hasn't been seen in 2,000 years, and suddenly everything has to change. Uh, or a scientist that gives their opinion about evolution and, and other things, and now the Bible isn't true. Again, we're just being blown around because we're not grounded, we're not anchored in truth. Is your faith rooted in a strong foundation and understanding of Scripture? Or are you easily swayed or blown by the wind by whatever new teaching, new idea, cool person, cool thing that is out there? Because if the Bible is your standard, then you are a maturing Christian. If not, you may still be drinking milk. The second thing I've noticed about maturing Christians that is so important if you want to grow is this. They take sin seriously. And we live in a culture that does not take sin seriously. And this idea is also slipped into the church. Syncretism, where we try to blend various ideas or just flat out compromise. And I get it. I've had to experience this. It gets hard when this sin, when living outside the way of Christ enters our family and it enters our friendships and suddenly our life of Christ and what we believe isn't cool. It's actually controversial. It actually divides sometimes. And we get faced with the questions of, do I stand firmly on the truth or do I try to compromise my faith in order to just make peace with the people around me? Are we called at times as Christians to hold firm to what the Bible says and the truths of Scripture or are we to give in to the culture? Because when we don't take sin seriously, we tend to blend what the Bible says with what the world teaches we try to have one foot in the Bible and one foot in the world. And what we end up doing is we compromise on truth. And we assume God's okay with that. And a lot of people, I, I get to meet a lot of people in my life. And I got to be honest with you, 
most people don't really think they are sinners. I mean, they do. I, they, they'll say, I, I do some bad things sometimes, but I'm not like those other people. Come on, Pastor Jason. I haven't murdered anybody. I didn't rob a bank. I, I, I'm, I'm not some bad, evil dictator in the world that's killed thousands of people. And it's always funny when you talk to somebody because their sins are never as bad as someone else's. Because after all, I mean, if we're being honest, God's going to make an exception with me. Why? I'm special. I'm special. I'm different. But sin is sin, and God is true, and his justice is pure. And the Bible reminds us for all of sin and come short of the glory of God, and that the wages of sin is death. The truth is we're grading our sin. And I have to ask, because we sit there and we arrogantly say, I I'm not that bad. And this thing I did, it's not really sin. But here's the difficult question. Who gave you permission to say that? Who gave you permission to tell God what is sin and what isn't? Because here comes the real hammer, Ephesians chapter 5. Paul, again, speaking to that church in Ephesus. He says, among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality. Notice which sin he goes after first. And then think of our culture. There must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed. Why? Because greed is idolatry. Because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity. How's your language, friends? Foolish talk or coarse joking. You know, those dirty little jokes that you don't think are a big deal at work. These are out of place. Instead, our voice, our conversation should be filled with thanksgiving. And I say it again, isn't it interesting? The first thing he tackles is sexual immorality. And I think if he was talking to our culture and our church today, he'd head straight for this one as well. We live in a culture that excuses sexual sin. It glamorizes it. It champions it. It completely ignores what the Bible says because at the core what we're saying is this isn't sin and it doesn't need to be taken seriously. But again, what's our standard? Let me really get into your business here and bring this home. Let's see if I can't get a couple to squirm in there. And I'm going to ask, what's on your screen? And uh, you say, what do you mean what's on my screen? Well, I have a screen like this in my life. I'm recording this video on a laptop computer. That's a screen in my life. And upstairs, I have a large thing with a remote control called a television. And that's another screen in my life. We have multiple screens in our lives. What's on your screen? And there's a reason there's that saying that says garbage in and garbage out, right? What are you truly feeding your eyes? What are you allowing your heart to see? What do your ears hear? And many of you, if you're being honest, truly, truly honest for just a moment, you've compromised on this one. I mean, if something's going to make your grandma blush, you probably should stop and think about it. And, and none of this silliness about, oh, there's kids shows and there's adult shows. If it's not appropriate for them. You probably ought to be asking yourself, is it really appropriate for us? 
Jesus would remind us in Matthew chapter 6. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. What have your eyes been looking at on your screens? What are you feeding your mind? Let's just get straight to the point, too. How about that porn on your phone, guys? It's not just guys anymore. There's a rising amount of women who are now looking at that. The Bible very clearly says if you look lustfully at another person, you have already committed adultery in your heart. You have sinned. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul tells the church in Corinth, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit. Remember this verse? But you're still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you're not ready for it yet. Indeed, you're still not ready. Get this last point. Why are you still not ready? You are still worldly. And so let me ask you, the stuff on your screen, is it heavenly? Or worldly. Ephesians 5, Paul continues. We were in some earlier verses just a bit ago, but in starting in verse 5, he says, For this you can be sure no immoral, impure, or greedy person, because such a person is an idolater. They have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. And do not let anyone deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Empty words are words like, hey, you know, it's just all about grace. You can really live any way you want. All you have to do is pray and ask forgiveness. God's going to be okay with it. But, but is that really okay? And is that what the Bible says? Because Paul tells, he asks us, shall we go on sinning so that grace will abound? He says, heavens, no. So let me ask you one more time. There's a lot of different areas we could look at about talking about do you take sin seriously. But I'm asking today for us to just focus in on this one. What's on your screen, your phone, your computer, and how about the TV at home? Parents, you are responsible for raising your child. What's the next sign of a mature Christian? Well, it's a, I believe that they have a healthy fear of God. And we've got to wrestle with this one too. And let me ask you, are you more concerned with what the world thinks or what God thinks? Which is truly more important to you? But pastor, you, you don't understand. I, I, I was at church one day. I said a prayer and I'm going to heaven. I, I, I took the right classes. I marked everything off the list I was supposed to. I even got baptized. But when we take that theology, and that is an Americanized gospel theology, and we apply it to what Paul, for instance, just had to say in Ephesus, does it really fit? And listen, when your theology doesn't match the early apostles' theology, you need to question your theology, not theirs. The Bible has to be our standard. And I need to push it, some of the narrative that exists out there that kind of says, say a prayer, go to heaven, live any way you want. And that is not at all what the early apostles taught. A couple other verses that support this and kind of bother me. Let's see if they bother you. Matthew chapter 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. 
So there's this idea weaving itself through Scripture that if you are a genuine follower of Jesus Christ, you will produce fruit. It's not about doing and earning. It's just that if you have truly been transformed and you are becoming like Jesus, you will produce fruit in keeping with the kingdom. Your life will point people towards Jesus. Does your life point people towards Jesus? Do your actions match your words? Because most Christians just want fire insurance and a ticket to heaven. But again, I'll say this over and over again. The goal of scripture is not to get you to heaven. It's to get heaven inside of you so that you can bring heaven to earth. People need to see the hope of Jesus Christ in and through you. Every conversation, every breath you take, everything you do points people towards your creator and your savior, Jesus Christ. Is that you? 1 John chapter 2 reminds us of this. Dear children, this is the last hours, the end times. And just as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have already come. That's how we know this is the last hour. They went out from us, but don't miss this, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. Jesus, the Apostle Paul, the Apostle John would all teach that in the last days, there would be an apostasy or a falling away. What it means is that there are people in the church who are pretenders. They are truly fully followers of Jesus Christ. And when things get tough, when trial comes, when something else looks better, they leave. Or when some other teaching that denies that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Messiah, and it is given with signs and wonders, they too will believe, as we're going to learn more and more in Revelation and Escaping Babylon. And the only way to combat this is to be a growing, maturing follower of Jesus Christ, because Jesus told us in John 15, one of my favorite verses, is he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit, and apart from me, you can do nothing. And it's here we see the last sign of a mature Christian. What is it? Stay connected to the vine. You have to remain in the vine. You have to stay connected to Christ, his church, and the truth of Scripture. If you want to grow and spiritually mature this year, that's my goal. That's my hope for you. I'm not coming at this hard and, and trying to be a hammer today. What I'm trying to do is to challenge you, to provoke you, to make you question some things in your life so that you can ask the important questions, am I truly growing? Am I moving towards solid food or am I still on milk? Am I still an infant? Because I need us to grow. If Radiant Church is to grow to be an influential force in our community that would be dearly missed if we were to close our doors down, if we are truly to shine the light of Christ, we have to be growing, not just numerically, but spiritually. We cannot remain babies. We have to grow up to solid food. I know. I know. There's someone saying, this is a hard sermon, Pastor. Yeah. But again, if we're truly going to be the church that I believe that God's calling us to be, we can't be satisfied with status quo. We've got to break out of our walls. We've got to break out of our infancy 
and we truly have to be maturing people, becoming like Jesus Christ. And we got to remember, please, God takes sin seriously. And I'm going to ask you to take sin seriously. As we've asked before, is there sin in the camp? Is there sin in your life that is keeping you from growing? The message of Jesus was simple but hard. Mark chapter 1, verse 15, he told us, he says, repent and believe the good news. We've talked about this before, but repent isn't just saying, I'm sorry and I feel bad about this. That's, that's confession. Jesus said repent, and what repent means is change your mind, change the direction you're going, quit whatever you were doing, and go this way, the Jesus way, the life of Christ. Repent means I was living a certain way, doing certain things, walking down destructive roads. I have now turned my back, and I choose to walk the road of Christ. But let me ask you, how many of you are still living with one foot in the world and one foot in, in church, and you're still trying to kind of work out whether or not you're all in? You have not fully surrendered your will and your way to Jesus Christ. But if I have to get really tough one last time, I go back to Hebrews chapter 10, and it says this, and I want you to really marinate in this for a second, even though it might be hard to hear. In Hebrews 10, he says, If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expe expectation of judgment and of a raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. So I have to ask you, is there deliberate sin in your life? Now, many of us have been around children before, and you know that sometimes children just do dumb things. They say something they don't mean to, they lose their temper, or, or they just do something they shouldn't do. Why? Because they're immature. They're still learning, and that's the reason that they need parents and other God-fearing adults around them to help teach them the way of Christ. There's times, however, and I have three children of my own, there's a difference between, hey, dad, I goofed up, and those times when they are just willfully disobedient. You know, when they stomp their foot down and they put their arms crossed and they just say, no. And as a parent, those are always two very different things for me. What is willful disobedience? It's when you know something is wrong and you choose to do it anyways. And that's what the author of Hebrews is talking about here. Maybe it's an addiction. And we're starting a new group called Living Free soon that you might need to be a part of. We're going to help walk through those addictions. Maybe you need some more intensive one-on-one -on -one counseling. And here in just a moment, Camp Special is going to talk about some of those next steps that you can take to help engage those. Steps like Libertas or New Life Counseling. Come talk to a pastor and we can help you with some of this. And we will, as always, protect your privacy. Maybe it's wellsprings of freedom and to help engage spiritual warfare because the Bible says that the battle that we're fighting is not just an earthly battle. It is a spiritual battle as well. But you know what? I bet many of you don't believe in spiritual warfare. I know because you've told me. But the Bible does. And if the Bible is our standard and, it is, and it's true, then spiritual warfare is real. 
And maybe your next step of growth and moving out of immaturity this year is to embrace the reality that there is an unseen battle going on out there between spiritual forces and heavenly forces, and we're in that tug of war. And that discomfort you may be feeling or that thing you're walking through, it could be a spiritual battle. And maybe you need to engage that and get some help this year. And at last, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, the invitation is always there. Come and see. Surrender your will and way to Jesus Christ. Begin living the way of Christ as a follower of Jesus Christ. Listen, no promises. The journey with Jesus Christ is not a journey with promises of health and wealth. What it is, though, is that we will escape the wrath of God, and that is coming, and that you can spend eternity with Jesus Christ. But to do that, you have to step into the way of Christ. You have to surrender your life. You have to begin a journey with Jesus, a journey where he transforms you and you allow him to transform you more and more into his image. And you begin to live as a follower of Christ, as a citizen of heaven here on earth, helping others discover that Jesus Christ saves and he can save you. I hope today is the day that you take that first step. What are some other practical things? Well, attend the weekend services. They are important. I'm going to encourage you to spend time alone with God every single day. Prayer, scripture reading, fasting. Uh, be a part of a small group. And I want to encourage you to serve. There's something about serving that puts the wants, needs, and desires of others above our own, which is what Jesus meant when he said, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Maybe you need to start serving here at Radiant Church, and we would love to get you plugged in. And I'm happy to talk to you about any of these things. But today, I truly want you to wrestle with these four things, these four standards, to grow and mature as a true follower of Jesus Christ this year. Will you make the Bible your standard? Will you take sin seriously in your life? Have a healthy fear of God and stay connected to the vine. We don't give up. The battle is worthy. And Jesus wants you to grow. And I want you to grow. May this be the year that you break out of being a spiritual infant and move beyond milk to solid food. Because what could God do with a church of maturing followers of Jesus Christ who are passionate about being lights in their community and bringing real change to the world around them? I'm telling you, that's a church that can transform a community. And that's the dream. I love you. Thanks for letting me challenge you today. And I'm believing in you.